Kyushi? No. You're a dragon. Be a dragon. This is for all the girls who grew up without strong geek role models to help them discover their geek dreams. For everyone who's ever been quizzed about their video game knowledge because girls don't play, girls games. Don't play games. Geek Hearing is working to bring female identifying geeks into their prime to be the role models, dreams and voices. Are you ready for this? Welcome to Geek Herring, a critical geek culture podcast where we talk the good and the bad parts of being a chick in a male-dominated environment. Hi, I'm Amanda, and with me today is my awesome, wonderful, hilarious, beautiful, yawn-erific co-host, Monica. Hello, Monica, how are you this evening? Hi, Amanda, I am great, and what did you say? Yawnific this evening? Yawnerific. Sorry, I feel that should go into the dictionary. <laughs> it, yeah, with your picture next to it. Obviously, with basically with our picture next to it, but today definitely with mine. True. How are you doing? I am doing well, thank you. I have been hard at work today, um, getting ready to come see you. Yay, hashtag freelance yeah. life. <laughs> yep. What about you? How's it going? Yeah, same sis. I actually hate that word. I don't know why I even said that. Um, yeah, hard at work. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what happened here. That's what happens in the evenings um, with my language. So I'm sorry for that um, to everyone who's listening. That's okay. I am so excited because joining us on this episode of Geek Caring is a friend that I have known for 13 years. My awesome, amazing friend, Jamie. Hello, Jamie. Nice to have you here tonight. Hello, Amanda. How are you doing? Hi. I'm great. And I'm so happy that you've uh, that we've all arranged some time to have you on the show tonight. We figured it out, despite the many time zones. <laughs> yes. And thankfully, there was no 12-hour differences like our last guests. <laughs> but I'm... Have to have to throw my two cents in that I'm also really excited to have you on to talk about all the things. I mean, you gave us quite some topics to choose from. It's hard <laughs> to decide, but I think we have a few good ones here. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's really great to be on your show. Cool. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, Jamie, before we throw you into the rapid fire round. Sure. Uh, my name is Jamie Unruh. I'm primarily a production assistant in the Canadian film industry. I'm also an indie game developer and uh, a wannabe writer, and uh, yeah, I guess that's that's my back cover bio. <laughs> that does explain why you have that long list of stuff that you're doing. I kind of passed on me what what else you've done besides your list, so I'm super excited. Like all the things. I do a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I have too many hobbies. Do you sleep? So do I. I. I feel you. <laughs> do I sleep? Yeah. No, I I need to sleep more. Definitely. Could use more of that. Can't we all? Well, I feel I have a decent sleeping rhythm, but I do have my own little sleeping Nazi telling me to go to bed. So basically, that's, well, not up to me sometimes. Mm. <laughs> well, that sounds worse than it is, but it's nice to have a little reminder because otherwise I've probably would not go to bed at all. So I do have a decent amount of sleep every night. 
You're lucky. I'm lucky. But I'm not up at night writing things and doing stuff. So That only happened last night with like a stroke of inspiration and I had to write it. Yeah, we had, the, if the inspiration hits you, then that's what you got to do. Exactly. Exactly. So, do we continue to our rapid fire round then? I All think right. so. I'm ready. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering if this will be the first rapid fire round that's going to be rapid because it kind of never is. <laughs> so, what did you say? We called it slow burn. <laughs> slow burn. <laughs> <laughs> but we go for the rapid fire round then. All so, righty. Jamie, gather your bearings. Bearings gathered. Awesome. Where are you from? Uh, so... I'm kind of from two different places. My childhood was divided between uh, Niverville, which is a small Mennonite farming town in Manitoba, uh, where I was born. And then when I was 13, we moved to Canmore, Alberta. And that's where I kind of grew up. That's where I mostly say I'm from, is Canmore. I feel that both of them sound really poetic, like from a book. N Niverville does? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Most people here laugh when they hear it, and they ask me if Peter Pan lives there. <laughs> I did think of that movie with Johnny Depp though but that's basically from Peter Pan so that's a good movie even though Johnny Depp's in it yeah but it was like pre-anything that happened so wait Johnny Depp was in a Peter Pan movie and in that Finding yeah, Neverland Finding Neverland oh I haven't seen that It's it was very good okay we're diverging from our rapid fire though <laughs> we are this is why it lasts so long <laughs> Okay, Jamie, when are you a geek since? Give me a year and maybe a story of your first geeky experience. Sure. Um, my geek origins have got to start with Star Trek. Uh, I grew up watching Star Trek The Next Generation. And probably around 1990, I would have been around five years old. And I remember uh, as a kid, uh, my dad would watch Star Trek after bedtime. Uh, but I would sneak out of my room and kind of peek around the hallway corner and just kind of stand there and watch it and they would catch me a lot but yeah watch a lot of characters <laughs> that way they probably always knew and they just let you sit there for a while until yeah. it got not so nice yeah. anymore and i've been a big trekkie ever since was it with with what's his face patrick stewart patrick stewart with patrick stewart jean-luc picard yeah i thought of william shatner Oh, that's the original. Yeah. Um, I never saw that. I never saw... I saw the original series movies uh, when I was young, but not the series. And I only saw the the original series Star Trek show for the first time. I think I, I watched it last year or maybe two years ago at most. Very recent. That's interesting. Yeah. At the same time... Because uh, I was uh, kind of relearning German, and so I was watch I was watching <laughs> um, uh, Rompatril, the Fantastische Adventure der Romschiff Orion. <laughs> familiar. Your German is actually really nice. Danke. Do, do you just guys want to just talk and I'll? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that whole blurb I was just saying was the title of a German science fiction TV show, yeah. and so it came out around the same time as the original Star Trek series. Uh, and after I watched that, I was like, I don't even watch the Star, uh, Star Trek, the original one. <laughs> so then I watched it. That's probably the only, like, you're one of the rare people who intentionally goes for the dubbing in that case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because dubs are often problematic, I would say. Anyway, 
Sorry, going on a tangent again. All good. <laughs> what were your biggest influences? So think movies, books, TV shows, teachers, games, or whatever comes to mind. Gotcha. Okay, well, Star Trek, since we're already on that topic, I mean, Star Trek pretty much raised me. Um, <laughs> my, like, that's where I learned morality, you know, appreciation for science. Um, I certainly didn't get, you know, those from my parents <laughs> and, um, uh, kind of a wanderlust, uh, from there. Do you, do you mean like influences, like formative, like growing up influences or current, like inspiration? Could be whatever you interpret the question to be. Okay. Well, my, let's go with current inspirations. So I have some favorite, they're not just like my favorites. They're, they're actual like, like sources of inspiration, things I really admire. Uh, so my favorite like my the authors I think are, are in my inspirations are Robert Jordan, Jacqueline Carey, Brandon Sanderson, and Octavia E. Butler. Um, oh my gosh, I only know one of those authors. That's so bad. Jacqueline Carey writes really awesome kind of erotic fiction. It's sort of erotic, and then she also writes some great. Like, have you ever seen the show show Supernatural? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's kind of in that genre. You could put her books right in that universe. Um, oh, cool. Agent of Hell is the is the series, um, and Octavia E. Butler writes the most amazing science fiction, just the most unusual, otherworldly things. Absolutely love her books. Uh, for films, I think The Matrix, the Alien franchise films, and Indiana Jones are big inspirations. In television, Avatar: The Last Airbender, Cowboy Bebop, Steven Universe. I like cartoons. Animes. Yes. Yeah. Almost could have been on our show last week. <laughs> but then let's be honest, Jamie could be on every episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <true. laughs> can, like judging by the list, it's just like, we can have you on any, every time. Jack of all, Jack of all the hobbies, master of none. Well, <laughs> not master of none. Well, I, I, if I had, the, I wish I had the focus to be, to be a master of any of them, <laughs> but I'm too easily distracted. So I go from thing to thing to thing. Like, oh, squirrel, I hear you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So then, I mean, that's kind of already kind of covering the second, like the last rapid fire question. But what are your current geeky pastimes? Right. So those various things that I do are um, indie game development. Um, So I'm working on a on kind of a role playing game right now called Char 9786. Nice. And I've also been writing a novel. And actually, Amanda, I started working on this novel in Scotland so in 2006. I started writing, just brainstorming ideas because I used to write so much fan fiction and I ha- I wanted to write something, you know, that was uh, original. But the way I'm used to writing is like fan fiction where you're drawing from lots of source material that's already there. So I started creating that source material back in 2006 in Scotland when we lived <laughs> wow. there. And now I'm writing and I'm not very far into it. I've got a lot planned and I'm, I think, three chapters in to the first book. So. Nice. Um, I enjoy gaming. Right now I'm playing Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Uh, yeah, I think Shadow of the Tomb Raider, the latest one. I love um, the new Tomb Raider games. They're amazing. Oh, they're so good. So good. Yeah. Uh, I play a, a fair bit of Minecraft. I play a lot of Picross, Pie, Pie <laughs> super casual, weird puzzle <laughs> game uh, on my Nintendo Switch, and uh, Dungeons and Dragons, um, and I play in the SCA, which is 
I think the our kind of topic t- uh, today. And so the SCA uh, stands for the Society for Creative Anachronism. And it's basically uh, medieval camping. <laughs> <laughs> medieval camping? <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> That's such an amazing description. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a super simplified version because uh, there's so much more to it. There's a whole world of fictional kingdoms with our own borders, um, our own our own histories and songs and, and hierarchies. Like, uh, t- you can earn titles by either creating crafts or playing games or demonstrating research or there's so many things as well as pretend fighting right we get big battles with fighting or archery which i do and uh, nice. bardic like singing there's so much to it yeah it's a really really big topic all on its own i like that you do did you do archery because i played when i played final fantasy i still play i'm just not one as much all i all i said to everyone all the time was i have a bow <laughs> <laughs> that's true that is literally all monica ever said and we're like yeah we know monica we got it <laughs> you talked things to me that i didn't understand so all i could contribute to the conversation was that i actually have a bow and i'm still pretty proud that i do have a bow i like bows both so, are great i yeah. also have a bow you have a real life bow that's even I cooler have a real bow. <laughs> that's actually way better than a digital Lalafeld bow <laughs> those bows are fun too yeah they're fun too i'm more accurate with those bows i don't even have to aim with those bows that's the best <laughs> <laughs> pew, pew. pew pew is the right word yeah yep is that it did we make it through rapid fire we made it through rapid fire and we made it a pretty good time I, i'm i'm impressed good job yay we did it yay agreed <laughs> Cool. Well, you kind of already introduced it there. So, Jamie, tell us, what is the geeky thing we're talking about today? Yeah, so that's a good segue. Today we're talking about the SCA and uh, and also kind of my gender journey and how the two of those relate. Yeah, because I'm sure there is some overlap there. Yeah, there's a fair bit of overlap. <laughs> cool. Well, do you just want to tell us about it? Sure, yeah. I'll kind of, I, I guess I've already given an overview of the SCA. For people who are curious about what anachronism means, the A in SCA, I just wrote down a definition because it's kind of not a very well-known word. Uh, I have no idea what it means. Hmm. (laughs) So anachronism is a chronological inconsistency in some arrangement, like between people, events, objects, or customs from different periods of time. So how this relates to the SCA is that we have a certain period of ancient history basically anything from 1650 and earlier that is valid. You don't have to be super strict with that. Nobody really cares, but you can get really nerdy about it and make super accurate, like, like, uh, you know, figure out where your person would have lived and what they would have worn, you know, for what trade they did back, you know, in that time, how they would have spoken, what their arms might have been as a gentry. So there's a lot that people can put into it, but it's not necessary. But anyway, anachronism just means there's that mix because when you go to an SCA event, yeah, you see people wearing medieval garb and, you know, a lot of people have period tents as well, but then you also see modern tents and modern shoes. And so there's this big mix of all these different time periods. You know, you see there's a Roman encampment and then like a more modern like pirate encampment. And where people just kind of play their roles 
uh, with their friends and kind of do it all together as part of this bigger community. That sounds so cool. I, I have so many more questions about this. <laughs> <laughs> Go ask them. Like, because I have literally, ne literally never heard about this ever. So and I looked on the website and I was like, "What is this even SEA? What what are they talking about?" And then I said, "Okay, so it's a community of people." You have to explain it for Dumbos like I am. So, <laughs> so it's is it something like a live a Renaissance role playing kinda? Yeah, it's kind of like yeah, it's it's a little bit hard to describe in those terms because. Yeah. There is role playing that's going on, but it's but it's kind of light. Like for example, the kind of role playing that might go on is like uh, you know I might meet somebody in the street and like challenge them to a duel or something. They'll be like, I don't like the cut of your jib, sir. I shall challenge you, and <laughs> the winner shall take this handkerchief and you know just that kind of thing and then we you know you use a bit of middle english just to, it's it's all for fun right so very few people take it terribly seriously it's all just kind of in good fun and we play with it uh so there is some role playing to that extent uh and also in the battles that we do most sca events are wars or tournaments uh for example recently here we had sea lion war which is a war between the barony i live in which is the barony of seagirt against the barony of lionsgate which is the area kind of around Vancouver. And so the people who live there all meet in one place and we have battles and we earn war points uh, for the various warlords on the different sides. And then the victor is decided and awards are given out and and there's, there's court that's held and everything. It's, uh, yeah, it's So it's basically so a real life, play. it's a real life video game then. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Yeah. That's so cool. We refer to it as the modern Middle Ages. That's amazing. Is there one in Northern Ireland? Can I join? There probably is. In most of the English-speaking worlds, there is SCA activity. <laughs> in much of Googling Europe, it. <laughs> in much of Europe, there is as well. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually looking to see where in At, Austria. In Vienna, maybe if I'm lucky. And you can find like what's. Uh, well, I was on that website. Find your local kingdom lookup tool. International. Europe. Okay, so the the entirety of Europe, Africa, and the Middle East is one kingdom. <laughs> called Drachenwald. But the more people there are who participate in an area. We have a, there's a society, a kingdom, and a principality. Oh, nice. I don't know what any of that means, yeah. but there's all of that. It's yeah. definitely most active in North America, but it is it does exist elsewhere, too. So cool. And how do you... So is that something you find online first and have an online connection or an online community first and then like go real life? Or is that something you go real life and connect there? You know, that's an interesting thought because this started, I think the SCA started a little over 50 years ago. So that was before the internet. So I'm not sure how it originally started or how people, you know, meet up to create new you know, areas uh, these days, but I didn't find out about it online. Although you can, you go to sca.org and there's a kingdom, like a lookup tool. So you can find out what your local kingdom is. And then each kingdom has a seneschal and the seneschal, sorry, that's a hard word to pronounce, seneschal. Uh, the seneschal's job is to provide information to newcomers. So if you have questions, you contact the seneschal and they can tell you where you can go, what events are held, 
Like, for example, in my local area, there's archery that happens twice a week. There's bardic, which is like singing and dancing that happens every week. And there's fight practice, where people go to practice the fighting games and making armor and, and swords and weapons and that kind of thing. Um, so it's not just these big events, it's like lots of stuff that happens. And so the Seneschal can kind of tell you where stuff is that you can go to and when and how to connect with people. Wow. I just looked it up for the Europe Middle Eastern situation. And there is something in August in Austria. <laughs> and it's actually in a place that has my surname as a name. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, wow. <laughs> pretty hilarious actually <laughs> oh, it's at That's least pretty close to there so it's Rabenstein and der Pilach <laughs> nice pretty funny but bit away I mean <laughs> but anyway interesting I think in Europe and especially um, in the UK re like historical reenactment is probably actually I would say definitely more popular than something like the SCA and probably because in the UK you actually had that ancient history there <laughs> <laughs> sorry but true <laughs> no I, 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 that that would be totally my assumption that that's the case because like americans often are so excited when they find a 200 year old church and we're like whatever <laughs> that's, <true. laughs> that's very true so there you have like these you know ancient historical events that actually happened there and a lot of people are into sort of recreating those events whereas uh -huh. the sca is like sort of sort of like that but we don't recreate We recreate, like, parts of the culture. We don't recreate the actual events. We Our events are new. So there's kind of a distinction there. So at a reenactment, you'll see a lot of people, like, if they were dressed in the uniform for that army, like, everybody will be in that uniform for that army. Whereas in the SCA, you have people and, you know, that person's in Greek garb and that person's a Viking and that person's a Roman. And how many people are in your area that you constantly do that with? Um, Here, there's about... Two or three hundred people. What? In my barony, yeah. Wow, and that's like actually close to you. Like it's not that well for you know, Canadian standards. It's like I'm driving three hours, and that's already close to me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, to the Duncan War, or sorry, Duncan War, Clinton War, which is an event that happens in kind of the middle of BC, is like a five or six hour drive mm -hmm. for me, and and. I'm one of the closer people. People come from all the way down in like Portland, Oregon, all the way up there to attend that. So wow, yeah, people people will drive a long way. We have all these people. So everybody from like Oregon, Washington, and British Columbia, we're all in the same kingdom, and so we all go to a lot of the same events. So there's a lot of people. Wow, and uh, how long do these events take when they occur? Like, how long does this war take? So sometimes it's a weekend. Usually they'll do it on a long weekend. So we have three days. Uh huh. Uh, but some of them, like Clinton War, is a week long. And <laughs> you can actually go a week early and participate in work week if you want, where you can help kind of prepare the site, um, cut, you know, grass if it needs to be cut or repair. They have permanent structures. So we actually have built like a wooden kind of castle there, a permanent structure. <laughs> as well as a tavern this year we're rebuilding the tavern during work week it can be a, like i love that one because it's a week long and i get to you know sleep in a medieval tent and wear my medieval garb around all other kinds of nerds doing the same thing for a whole week <laughs> so you rebuild an actual tavern and rebuild a castle and shit mm -hmm. unbelievable 
I can't wrap my head around this, honestly. I'm really excited to find out that there's one in Belfast. <laughs> what? You I know go. who's going to attend. You I should feel... totally go. I'm so going to go. They have fencing practice every Thursday. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yep, and to practices like those weekly events, you don't have to wear garb. Um, so you can just go. If you I want totally to. see a man are totally wanting to wear the garb though while fencing. Yeah. I mean, it's, come on. <laughs> yep. It's pretty great. There's um if you show up at an event and you don't have your own garb, there's something called gold key. And so they actually have a every kingdom has this collection of public use garb that they'll bring so you can actually just show up and wear like get garb to wear. I'm so I'm so That's cool. I don't even know, man. I'm so <laughs> And is it all about the combat or like no. can there be non-combative like role playing? So it really depends on the person and what you want to get into. The thematically it's kind of all about the combat because it's such a big deal like you know it's it's this or that war or this or that tournament, right? But there are war points awarded for other things too like craft or um heraldry or yeah there's a whole bunch of different like i think it's like a and s which is arts and sciences awards that you can get so uh and the and the society promotes this culture of free teaching and learning because in order to like if you actually want to gain a rank in the sca if you want to be like i'm lord such and such you know rather than um i mean you don't because you don't have to do that but if you want to then you have to demonstrate your willingness to teach others Mm -hmm. so so you find everybody just kind of doing the the things that they've learned to do and teaching other people how to do them at the last event i went to i learned how to make like a like a sweet crumble like a dessert in a medieval fashion with like a just a cast iron pot over a fire nice yeah that was really cool and there's people who teach like you know blacksmithing arrow making i'm in the middle of making a set of arrows and so people just like teach this stuff and for for free you just show up and they'll... that's really cool sorry my mind is actually blown <laughs> <laughs> i i can't even <laughs> have you have neither like so did either of you hear about the sca before nope you heard me mention it no nope. oh wow interesting the, the extent of what i had heard about it was you were like I saw your your costuming on Facebook and like you were going to some of these meets and uh, the other friend that I mentioned before the show I saw his pictures and I was like they're doing something really cool. Yeah. I want to do it but I don't know what it is. Yeah. The the big event in the SCA that's held every year in the states is called Pensic and every year it gathers over 10,000 participants. I just checked that number. <laughs> over 10,000. They have a these people let who own the land that they use. It's a huge piece of land and they actually build structures. So they actually have this like permanent little town. Yeah, 10,000 people. I've never been. I really want to go someday. They do have a permanent town? Mhm. How did that happen? Would they be there throughout the year or do they just use it? No, they just use like, it for events. Wow. But like who does it? So they bought the land and stuff or how did that happen? No, it's privately owned by by a family okay yeah so if they ever change their mind then then that event is gonna have to find a new town i hear you so the other side of that coin of that of that discussion or of 
of this is how it relates to my gender. And so I guess I can talk about that for a little bit. Yeah. So just to kind of my gender journey in a nutshell is that I was assigned male at birth. And but even from a young age, like I, I was like, I knew I'm not a boy. I think my first memory of that was four years old. And so I related a lot more to girls my whole life. And actually, Amanda, you were the first person I ever came out to you about that. Do you remember? I know. On the bus? Yes, I remember. We were at Pizza Hut. Yes. <laughs> the perfect place. No, we were on the bus. We had come from Pizza oh. Hut. We were on the bus. We were on the top of a double-decker. Okay. And I, told you. Uh, I knew that pizza was involved. Yes. <laughs> Can I just throw in a question here? Where did the two of you meet? Or how? Or how did oh, you... Oh, sure. Yeah. We met. We both stayed at the same hostel. When we lived in Edinburgh, Scotland, ah, back in 2006. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. And so we kind of had our little group of friends, me and my brother and our friend Sean, and then you and Simone and... Serena. Serena. I was about to say, who's the other Australian girl? Yes. Sir. Yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. cool. Sorry. Pizza Hut. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so in 2007, I transitioned to female. And went the whole way, and I lived that way for 10 years, more than 10 years. In 2017, I just decided, because I was feeling that I didn't like... I'm a genuine person, and I don't like trying to hide things about me or, or to project something that's not genuine about me. And there were certain things that I was, like, that I had to kind of... Or I felt like I had to do. Like, I felt like I had to present feminine. I felt like I had to adjust my voice right to to sound female it was like trying to pass right and as mm-hmm. female so I wouldn't have that social stigma but I got fed up with that and in 2017 I decided you know what I'm not going to worry about the expectations the roles the labels I'm just going to be me and see where I end up and I kind of discovered that that how I identify how I feel about my body and my gender kind of fluctuates and so usually I'm kind of I feel like I'm kind of somewhere in between and that does kind of lean back and forth more towards female and more towards male sometimes but um yeah that's where I'm at. Thank you for sharing that with us. So so you were talking about how a theme of this podcast is how you know how society treats women and I can tell you that's something that was really a shock to me when I transitioned was not knowing you know just having this outsider perspective and I actually used to have the opinion a long time ago that like women were the more privileged in our society (laughs) and uh, and then I became a woman and I was like wait nope that's not true I feel like trans people have a have a lot of perspective when it comes to that because we've seen both sides of that coin Mm -hmm. and um it definitely I'm so grateful for that experience because it made me a staunch feminist and (laughs) so stuff like how this affects you know the the sca obviously because we're we're creating like medieval and ancient kind of aspects of society well if ancient societies did have maybe here and there um kind of more progressive views toward gender or kind of breaking out of the binary in some way or the other or having some kind of acceptance of it it's few and far between and not well documented even where it does exist so unfortunately it's very difficult to uh to make a like a non-binary or Mm -hmm. like other gendered persona in the sca i mean you can do it anyway nobody's gonna care 
and anybody can have a persona of any gender. And in my experience, very few people, if anybody, will bother you about that. But I wanted the challenge of creating a non-binary persona that would be valid, both historically and registrable within the SDA. And so I asked around about Greek, because in Greek, for, for like a thousand years, Greeks wore this thing called a chiton, spelled C-H-I-T-O-N. And if you think of images of like the god Apollo, what he's wearing is a chiton. And it's a really, really simple kind of tunic. And it was unisex. Both men and women wore them. And so I thought, okay, well, here is an example of period garb that is unisex. I want to see if I can then create a find a name, a Greek name that would be valid. And when I asked around about this, I got some shade online. So I guess some people don't like the idea of that. And they were saying, no, it can't be done. There's like, there were, there were gendered names. They didn't go across. Um, You're not going to be able to do it. But can I just uh, throw in a question here? Yeah, yeah. You said that you, you wanted to make this gender binary character that you can then that you will be able to register. So are there certain rules that you have to follow? Yes. So if you want to register a character, and like I said, you don't have to do this to play in the SCA, but if you want to put the work in and register a persona, then you have to put in the research and you have to show this name was used between, you know, this time and this time. This is the kind of garb that was worn in that er in that time period and all these you know, various things, mostly to do with the name and the garb you wear. Mm -hmm. So if I want to register a, a valid name, it has to follow the rules of the culture that the character is supposed to be from. Okay. In the time period that they're supposed to be from. Um, and also follow the SCA's rules. So the SCA has some exceptions that they, that they do. So for example, with the help of a friend, I did find a name that was used and documented as used for both a man and a woman, which was Appa. For the last name, last names in Greek had different prefixes for, for men and women. So if I was going to use an actual Greek name, there was no way to do it without gendering myself. So my friend who's a herald in the SCA and is really geeky about this stuff, and he's read all the rules and he knows a lot about it, he said, you know, there's, a, there's something else you can do. In the SCA, instead of having a surname, you can choose uh, a, a place in the SCA. For example, I live in the barony of Seagirt. So you could say you are Appa of Seagirt. Uh -huh. You can say you're of a place, right? And there is one place name in the SCA that has a Greek name, and that is in Australia. It doesn't have to be where you're from. You can use it. Uh, and it's in Australia, and it's called Politarkopolis. Uh-huh. So Appa of Politarkopolis is a valid Greek name. However, I also noticed period, uh, ancient examples of somebody being referred to by a place name, like so-and-so of such-and-such such a place. And in Greek, the word for of or from is apo, and it's used as a, pre as a prefix. <laughs> so my valid registrable SCA Greek persona is apa apopolitarkopolis. That's amazing. <laughs> And a mouthful. So basically, you have to put in a shit ton of research. I mean, you can, but you don't necessarily have to. But you right, can. if you want to. If you want to, you can, and then you have to follow certain rules so that it's not like Appa from the Enterprise, for example. Yes, exactly. Which that would be cool. <laughs> Although I did make a valid period um, 
coat of arms that looks like a Star Trek uniform. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) That's cool. So it's both on the one hand you're thinking, um, on the one hand you can see like, I just want to do that and be free in what I'm enjoying. But also by following the rules, it's kind of super interesting to what the boundaries are and and, and, and how far you can go and, and, and how back over you got to bend sometimes to make stuff happen. So that I seems super interesting at the same time. Hmm. Like kind of and both it, somehow. And it's good that we have these rules because the the thing that we're all geeky about is feeling like we are in... When we're, when we're doing this, when we're get, at events, as much as possible, feeling like we are in a different time and place, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and we don't want to bring in all the aspects of that culture. Obviously, uh, we're fighting with padded swords, <laughs> you know, we're not killing anybody. Fortunately. Uh, <laughs> and we're not, you know, selling people as slaves or and we have rules about about, you know, the treatment of people and abuse. These things are not allowed, you know, we are a progressive society and uh, that's getting better. It's not perfect yet, but we pick and choose what we want to, what we want to incorporate. However, we still want it to feel medieval, you know, we still Mm -hmm. want it to feel like we're in the ancient world. And so we have these rules like no garb later than 1650, Mm -hmm. you know, just and just having these rules kind of, kind of facilitates that unified kind of feel you get when you go to an SCA event. I mean, in general, I don't feel that no rules are helping everyone. <laughs> so I feel mm-hmm. sometimes you just need certain rules and sometimes mm-hmm. question them if they're still valid, but rules are not always the worst thing that can happen. Especially yeah. if you want to recreate something like a medieval time, then there needs to be some rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a good time, but it was also kind of a bad time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard some people say that, that oh, I wish I, I had been born back then. And inevitably, of course, all of those people who say that are men. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> because in none of those times, previous times in history, was it better than it is now to be a woman, at least in our society. Can I throw in another question connecting to something you said earlier? Mm-hmm. Because you said, I mean, it feels, I feel that it somehow connects to what you just said as well. But you said you felt that women were a superior role. You didn't say superior. Oh, before, before I transitioned. Yeah. Before I knew better. <laughs> um, <laughs> my impression was, my very immature and ignorant impression was that women were more privileged in society than men. I find that thought super interesting and I wonder what why? Like what 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 was your reason for for that? Back then, I mean I I thought a lot of crazy things back then. Well, but, didn't we all? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it just not having the I think p- part of it came from the fact that I was always jealous of girls because mm-hmm. I thought that I was supposed to be a girl. And so through those, you know, through that lens, I was looking at society mm-hmm. and kind of wishing, like, in the ways that I saw girls treated, which thankfully where I lived was, you know, not terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that, uh, I don't know, I I think like a lot of guys grew up thinking that women have it easier, they have less, ex- there's less expectations mm-hmm. on women. Certainly women do have some 
privileges that men don't. Mm. I definitely don't think that that is equal. <laughs> but because women, women have more freedom to express emo- express emotions mm-hmm. and to express themselves physically in terms of like what they wear. Um, but that's pretty much it. Men get a lot of other privileges that mm. are actually like economically, you know, privileged. Mm-hmm. better pay more favored for jobs automatically respected the way that i noticed people start to treat me differently as i went through my transition was such a shock i was just like this is bullshit (laughs) yeah yeah is that something you now have to see because as you said like the ones who said they wished were living in the medieval times are mostly men so does is does that raise when you try to recreate a world a medieval world then that kind of does that come more um visible how women were treated back then no not not in our society the way that we do it i mean in every event i've been to i mean if you if you're looking at the fights yeah there's a there's a lot more men who participate in the fights i guess because more men are interested in that but there's plenty of women who are fighters i was at a bardic event yesterday where we were doing singing songs and and that And one of the women there said that she was a a, a heavy combat fighter. And <laughs> nice. I'm like, that's so amazing. Um, there was a story from a couple of years ago about a woman in the SCA in, down in the States, I think it was. She's well known for being a, a very good fighter in the SCA. And she was going home from practice and had her like training swords with her. And somebody tried to mug her. And she... <laughs> And she soundly gave them a beating, and uh, and it made the news for a while. I mean, how smart must you be to uh, try to mug someone who's carrying a sword? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Not the brightest candle on the tree there. Nope. Wow. Yeah. But they're, like, like everybody that I talk to says, like, in the SCA is a really, really safe place to be for women. Mm-hmm. Um There, I don't know about the numbers for like reports of sexual abuse, but everybody says, so this is anecdotal, but everybody says it's low to almost non-existent. Mm-hmm. I see, you know, women passed out in in uh, the house Kabila tent. The Kabilas are known for being heavy drinkers and they party all night. <laughs> and so they have this big tent and it's like really open. You can see inside of it. It doesn't have walls. It just has a big can- a big canopy. I see women get drunk and pass out in that tent and, you know, unsupervised all the time. And certainly, like, when I was still living as a woman, I always felt safe mm. uh, at SCA events. Because uh, I, f- I feel like, like, getting to getting to know the people there, almost any of the men there, like, it's the, one of the things that I think really appeals to a lot of the men at SCA is that sense of chivalry. Mm-hmm. Like, combat and chivalry, right? And... If anybody touched a woman inappropriately there, they would get the shit kicked out of them, and they would be ejected from the event. Like it would not, it would be messy. <laughs> I wonder if that still subtly has to do because you try to recreate it, but you also um, reflect on what's happened because you don't relive everything because you obviously don't want to relive the the shitty things from medieval times. So it there is some. Or I mean, I I imagine there must be some reflection happening on some level, which then kind of maybe converts in the culture of the SCA. Yes. Yeah, that's why we call it the modern Middle Ages. Because 
we're recreating aspects of the Middle Ages, but we're also recognizing that this is a modern society. You're not pooping out of the tent, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Hopefully not. Throwing your slops down the street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Thou shalt go to the privy for that. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> I'm going to say that from now on. <laughs> I shall go to the privy. Since you've transitioned from a woman now to more non-binary, have you received like any, have you like had any weird experiences at the SCA, like with people not really knowing how to approach you or anything? Not at actual events. In fact, um, here in Seagirt, and actually it's been going around the SCA for a while about uh, non-binary awareness. Mm-hmm. and having to do with West restrooms and stuff because we either have outhouses or privies. They're always single stall and they're usually gendered. We're trying to change that now where we're not having gendered stalls because that's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and also, it's a modern thing. It's like they didn't have gendered stalls, you know. I mean, one can pee in a hole, right? I mean... Yeah. <laughs> so, so I've... My personal experience has been very, very positive where I live. Uh, on the Facebook groups for for my local area, oh yeah, on our Facebook pages, without me prompting or anything, somebody had made a post about using pronouns and how should we go about using pronouns and titles in the SCA because people often default to my lord or my lady when they address somebody. Mm-hmm. It was interesting because I got to kind of come out and say, hey, um, I'm non-binary and I think I have something that can contribute to this, right? And Because I don't think... Oh, the, there's a big misconception that non-binary people, you know, it's the whole like special snowflake taboo, which really doesn't exist, um, <laughs> where there's this perception that non-binary people want extra attention, want special special accommodations and that kind of thing. And that's just the opposite from the truth. Myself and the pe- like pretty much everybody I've talked to, like we don't want extra attention. We want to feel validated without like causing a big stir so there there were recently to in order to try to be more progressive there was an endeavor to throughout the society have a set of titles non-binary titles that could be used by anybody uh, at every rank level and they are period accurate and the only place where they could find historical examples of non-gendered titles was whales whales (laughs) So these titles are very difficult to pronounce. <laughs> Shapes. <laughs> Much less to remember, but they're there. It was a nice gesture. And they're going to be not, not gendering privies anymore, so that's nice. And they were talking about, you know, like, how do you address people? Should we ask everybody before we say my lord or my lady what they prefer? And I'm just like, no, 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 that would be ridiculous. Like, can you imagine? No one's going to actually do that. And it would be super uh, kind of awkward and make it, like, if... If I were in a situation where, because I was around, people were just asking everybody constantly for pronouns, I would feel like that put a lot of attention on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I basically suggested that if you, if if a person knows, if a person kind of exists on the edge or outside of the binary in terms of their presentation, they know that they do, right? And so if I'm introducing myself to somebody, I will... I will say, like, what I prefer. Mm-hmm. Hello, my name is 
whatever Welsh title you're choosing. Welsh yeah. title, not Welsh. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't like to use any of those. I like the because there's a generic term that's already used a lot, and that's gentle. So you might say instead of a lord or lady from Montier, if you wanted to be more concise, you could say a gentle from Montier. Mm-hmm. Montier uh, is our local kingdom here. So so I'm a gentle from Montier. That's such an easy word to say as well. Like. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody addressing me instead of saying my lord or my lady could say my gentle and. I don't mind letting people know that. So, but other people might have a different opinion. So it's it's nice to know that there, these discussions are happening, mm. even independent of people coming in and being like, you know, demanding. So the main answer to your question is my experience in the SCA has been very good. I know that there are other places in the SCA, particularly, you know, Bible Belt USA, where it's a bit different. There is a, or there was a, I think a duke, or was he a king? I forget. I think, no, it was a king. Of a kingdom in Texas. And he would host a Christian prayer at the beginning of all events that everybody had to participate in. And that's just like... Would already piece me off. <laughs> his excuse was like, because it's part of his persona that he would do that. But it wasn't like a period prayer. <laughs> it, you know, it was a modern prayer. And it's sort of like, okay, you can't do that. <laughs> so there's that. And also... um now, of course, if you want to find the worst scum of humanity, you can only uh, look so far as Reddit to find that. And there's an SCA <laughs> subreddit, and somebody posted on there, I think it was last year, uh, is the, what did they say, is the SCA tolerant and accepting? And then inside it turned out they were like a white Christian man. Oh, man. And they were worried that it was not tolerant and accepting of white Christian men. And I'm <laughs> and... And so I joined this conversation and I was just like, well, that's interesting. You should put it that way. Why would you think you're not accepted? (laughs) You know, probably the majority of men in SCA are white. And it just came out that they were super racist and lots of other people were defending this guy. And yeah, so that was awful. So there are kind of toxic people in the society. You're not going to avoid that um, completely. But all I can say is up here in Ontier, our our communities really keep an eye on that kind of thing. You know, heck, there's one guy right from, from here in my barony who was kind of just being consistently inappropriate with women, not like assault or anything, but just making women uncomfortable. And it's not to the point where he's like broken rules specifically and banned from events, but he's banned from a lot of tents. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, including my house's tent and last year at uh, Clinton where he tried to come in the tent and and Lady Azure the lady of our house stood up and said nope you are not allowed in this tent and declared loudly exactly why <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> so that's the kind of culture we try to you know promote because it's got to be safe for everybody oh yeah yeah and unfortunately, the kids are everywhere. You can't get rid of them. And mm. depending, and considering what you said, how many people are joining you there, it's just, I mean, the yeah. chance that there are no asses around is fairly slim, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's always one or two, right? But yeah. if the majority of the people around yeah. are progressive and are looking out for that kind of thing, mm. then, you know, people who behave that way feel enabled to behave that way Mm. because typically nobody says anything when they do it yeah right 
in our society, catcalling and, and that kind of thing. They do it and nobody nobody says anything because people don't think it's a big enough deal to say anything. In the SCA, we say something. Mm. And so people who are like that will quickly figure out that it is not okay to behave that way. I like that. I do too. It makes me want to join even more, actually. <laughs> do it. <laughs> We need more younger members. The kind of the the core group that started the SCA are old now, and they're amazing. It's amazing because they all are so interested in teaching what they know to younger people. Hmm. And so for young people who want to learn all kinds of stuff, like just really useful stuff and and anything really from, you know, blacksmithing to leatherworking to sewing to knitting to churning butter to cooking just anything. There's so much knowledge there, so much fun to be had, and we really need more young people uh, on the on the battlefield. <laughs> <laughs> but let's be honest, all those crafts that you were talking about, those are actual jobs that now don't exist anymore or this, like start to not exist anymore because nobody's actually learning the craft. So Yeah, and if the world keeps going the way it is, we're going to need those again pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> true. That's true. Um, what advice would you give to a young geek who would be interested in getting involved in the SEA? Like, I, I know you just said there that younger people are, are welcome and encouraged, but how young would you go? Um, there are, like, families come with their little, like, kids. I've seen babies in the SEA. Like, people bring their babies. Like, it's it's really kind of a family thing. For, for anybody, anybody, however old you are, if you're interested, of course, if you're underage, definitely talk to your parents. And then go to sca.org, and there's a kingdom search tool. You can find out which kingdom you're in, and it'll take you to the kingdom website. And on the kingdom website, you can find the contact information for the kingdom seneschal. And that's the person who can give you all the information. And hopefully their website will have information too. Some of them, some websites are better than others <laughs> uh, in the SCA. But you can always find the information for the, for the seneschal. Contact them and and ask what you know how to get involved, what's going on in your area, and they'll be able to give you any information you need. Uh, if you happen to live in the Kingdom of Ontario, so if you're in British Columbia, uh, Washington State, Oregon, and even part of Idaho is part of Ontario, uh, I can rep my own house, which me and two friends are starting, and it's called the Guild of Nomads. Ooh. And our, the the full official name is the Guild of the Mystery of Travelers, Pilgrims, and Nomads. Oh, and maybe I'm gonna move to BC and join that one. Do it, <laughs> uh, or just Guild of or just Guild of Nomads for short. We want our house. We're, we are founding this house. We're in the process of doing it in order to explicitly be a safe and welcoming place for gender diverse people, and not only those people, but but it's not just like yeah, we're cool with anybody. No, we're like we're we're explicitly welcoming of like queer people because we want people to know you can come to these events and there is a there is a place for you. You can come to our fire and you'll have you know you'll have a tent to sleep in if you don't have one. You'll have food if you didn't bring any. You know, and we want to have a house where people can feel like they can get an introduction to the SCA, and then if they want to, they and they meet other people, they can move on to another house or another camp. You know. Uh, they can leave, but they can all they can always feel welcome back at our fire, and they you know, can always come back to our camp and say hi. If you want to be a part of the nomads, then feel free to contact me. But yeah, and even if you aren't local here, 
and you're interested if if you if you like the idea of the SCA and you like the idea of that theme for a house, we're totally cool with like maybe starting up branches of the house in other parts, uh, you know, in other kingdoms. So still, you know, feel free to reach out. Oh, that's so fascinating. That's awesome. I know. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for all that information. Jamie, um, before we close out our show, is there anything else that you would like to tell us about anything we've talked about today or expand on anything or tell us how much you like cheese? <laughs> how much you like cheese? It's funny you should say that. I've been, I've, I've been huge into cheese lately and I could actually talk about cheese for a while. <laughs> I knew that. My my old housemate was a chef, and she just got me into like cheese. And now I'm trying all different kinds of cheese. Ooh! Contact me later, and I'll give you the recipe for the best grilled cheese sandwich you have ever had Ooh. in your life. <laughs> <laughs> but no, nothing nothing pertinent to add. I don't think. Well, thank you. Um, thanks again for for this amazing conversation. Where can our listeners find you on the big vast world of the internet? on the interweb you can find me at unra.me that's my last name which is spelled u-n-r-a-u dot me as in myself and my email address is jamie at unra.me as jamie spelled j-a-m-i-e we will put all of that in the show notes yes we will huzzah awesome well thanks again jamie and that's all we've got for you on geek herring today and i say all like that wasn't the most amazing episode ever so thank you Jamie, thank you, Monica, and thank you, listeners, for joining us. Thank you so much. Thanks for doing this with us. It was awesome. So awesome. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. If you like this episode of Geek Caring, why not leave us an iTunes review? You can also find us on social at Geek Caring and over on geekcaring.com. This show is brought to you by Dragon Powered Studio. Find more at dragonpoweredstudio.com.